Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. I just like to take a survey and discover what Americans are watching, what uh, what they're listening to, what they're playing, um, and maybe not surprisingly, uh, what leads the list right now are um, our news programs, long form news programs, but then also um, true crime, NCIS, FBI, FBI Most Wanted, um, medical shows. And then when you get off of network television and you get on to um, and you get on to other things, let me just say that things get really dark really fast. And um, I think that's important to uh, to acknowledge and recognize. Um, And I don't I don't know how um, I don't know how to maybe more carefully ask this than, than just to straight up ask, what are you watching? Like, what are you watching? Um, because what goes into your eyes, um, we talk about them being windows to the soul. They're also, you know, the um, the place through which the enemy is very good at setting mental hooks that you literally can, uh, are very, very difficult. I won't say you cannot, that God cannot take them out because he can. God can redeem and restore but once a pornographic image in particular or a particularly violent image, once that is in your brain, it is in your brain. So what are you watching and why are you watching that? Um, Netflix is beginning to air tonight the fifth season. Just consider that, that four seasons were so popular that there's a fifth season of Lucifer. And yeah, it's about exactly what it sounds like it's about. Um there's a there's a guy named Rule Paul. I don't know. Is he a guy or a girl? I'm always confused by this. Um, there's a program called Rule Paul's Drag Race. It, it, it had 12 seasons, 12 seasons that were so successful. Five-star rated programming. That means so many people watched it and rated it so highly that not only did it have 12 seasons on air, it is now a permanent live-to-TV program on the Vegas Strip. Um, and if you want to, if you want to know what people are not watching, you can go to the list of canceled shows. And that actually reveals a lack, lack of appetite in America for, um, for programming that's not filled with sex, drugs, religious slander, straight up evil or demonic storylines. So what are you watching? And what are your neighbors watching? I mean, the reality is there have to be a lot of, uh, so-called Christians out there watching this programming in order for it to have the kind of viewership that it has. So let me just say that God knows what you're watching in secret, and he knows what's going on in the eyes of your heart. Um, You are the curator of your own content. And, um, well, let me just, as we we move to a conversation with Adam Holtz from Plugged In, from Focus on the Family, and we talk about uh, theaters reopening this week and and what's available to be uh, consumed, you're the curator of your own content. 
And you are also the curriculum uh, for the next generation. So you are discipling others as they see you watching what you watch. So let's be careful, little eyes, what we see. Focus on the families plugged in. Welcome back, man. Good morning, Carmen. It's here. It's here. Theaters are reopening this weekend. I know. I don't even have a category for it. It's like, what? <laughs> Theaters are back? Should we go to a movie? Should we not go to a movie? Are there if any we were going to seeing? go, uh, there you go. If we were going to go to a movie this weekend, what might it yes. be? Well, there are two big wide releases. One is the Russell Crowe thriller i guess you could call it that torture porn might be more accurate called unhinged and this is an r-rated revenge and blood-soaked movie if you thought you know we saw gladiator a while back and i love seeing russell crowe in an action movie let's go to this one here's what you need to know he's a middle-aged guy who gets honked at at a stoplight by a stressed out mom and he goes off and starts killing people honestly that's all you need to know. And, you know, Hollywood is really watching this to see how it does because it's got a big name in it. But take a pass. This is this not doesn't worth... seem like the most helpful way for America no, to uh, process um, her isolation and tension. No, no. absolutely not. And, all right. you know, I think I think that there's an attempt to, you know, at a public service announcement about how angry we are. But uh, no, pass. So moving right. on, the moving other on. one is Words on Bathroom Walls, which is a young adult movie based on a young adult novel that came out a couple of years ago. This one actually has a lot more to recommend it and some things that are problematic. Uh, it tells the story of a high school guy named Adam who is schizophrenic, and it's a, a pretty serious attempt to deal with the really, really complex mental health issue of schizophrenia. And because of that, his mom feels like he has to move him from a public school to a Catholic school. Um, they're not Catholic. They're not even Christian. But she feels like that'll be the best place for him. One of the things I love about this movie is that he develops a relationship, uh, a friendship with a priest who hears his confessions, even though he's not, <laughs> he's not Catholic. And the priest really models in a winsome way, I think, listening and acceptance and uh, there's a headmistress who's sort of the typical uh, Catholic headmistress uh, villainous, but but I love the nuanced way that faith is presented in this movie and that uh, Adam basically says, I don't believe in God and why would God let this happen to me? And the priest just listens, you know? And uh, so I think there's some terrific stuff there. There's a bit of romance. We've got some, a, a bit of sensual material, not too much, a fair bit of language, but I think for older teens on up, uh, 
this movie has some some pretty great redemptive things to say, uh, and and one of its messages is is that mental health struggles, no matter how deep they are, are not the core of our identity. Now, it doesn't take that next step. Obviously, it's not a Christian movie. It doesn't talk about Jesus being our identity. But I actually think we get to see a little bit of that through the priest who takes his faith very seriously. So this is one that could be a possibility if you have older teens. And obviously, you can check out our full review at PluggedIn.com. All right. And then um, do you want to talk about Magic Camp? Sure. Magic Camp is on Disney+. And this is a movie about um, a guy who went to what was called the Institute of Magic. Now, that sounds like Harry Potter. It's not Harry Potter. It's just a summer camp to learn how to do stage magic. He goes on and has a sort of semi-successful early career with his girlfriend, who's also a magician. Uh, But then she dumps him and runs off with somebody else, and his career tanks, and he ends up getting back to invited back to be an instructor at the summer camp. Uh, And so he helps teach kids about stage magic. Now, apart from magic being something... You know, even stage magic and illusionary stuff being something that some Christians are going to have a problem with. This is a pretty nice movie. Uh, it's a PG movie, and it, it sends the message that who we are on the inside is the real magic, metaphorically spe- speaking, and that we all have a gift that's worth giving to the world out there. So uh, a smattering of name-calling. You've got two tweens sort of flirting with romance who kiss, but... It's relatively innocent. It's not super sexualized. So as these things go, this is a, a pretty nice movie. Okay. And so when uh, let's take a very brief break, Adam. And then when we come back, we are going to delve into this controversy related to the Netflix release of a French film. Um, yep. The American name uh, of the film is Cuties. Um, yep. And then we're also going to talk about Disney's bisexual character, in Owl House. That's up next yeah. here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, as you're considering how to uh, curate your media feed, let me invite you to check out pluggedin.com. They're there to help you do all of that. Adam Holtz is here from Plugged In, it's a ministry of focus on the family. Okay, um, Netflix has been in uh, quite a public brouhaha the last uh, couple of days related to the release of a film called Cuties. Yes. So Cuties is a film that screened at Netflix earlier this year. It's a French language film, uh, and it has subtitles. And it tells the story of Amy, who is an 11-year-old Senegalese, so she's from Senegal, immigrant to France. And Amy comes from uh, a traditional, uh, likely a Muslim background based on watching the trailer. Um, And obviously that's a very conservative culture in many ways. And she meets several friends who are pretty expressive as young dancers. Uh, So on one level, what the filmmaker says is this is a, you know, a poignant coming of age drama about an 11 year old immigrant girl in France. So. Netflix bought it uh, earlier this year and is is going to be releasing it in early September. Uh, but they have marketed the film by talking about you know these young girls twerking uh, and the poster that they originally released 
shows them in very revealing and highly sexualized uh, outfits, really imitating some of the worst that we see uh, in a lot of music videos today. Uh, and Netflix was rightly called on the carpet and people basically just saying, why on earth are you sexualizing these girls? Netflix came back and said, no, 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 we made a mistake. We shouldn't have done that. It's really a bigger story than that. But if you watch the trailer, I guess I, I haven't seen the movie. I, I'm still left sort of asking the question, is it really a bigger story than that? Because there's still a fair bit of fairly suggestive dancing that we're going to see from these 11-year-old girls. And I think those who are concerned that this movie is kind of a pedophile's dream have a pretty solid point. And let me also say, I have a 10-year-old and 11-year-old. And sometimes they will break into dance moves. And as they get older, you know, they move and sashay and shimmy around. And my wife and I have, you know, a decision to make at that point of when we let them innocently just enjoy moving their bodies. And when we say, you know, some of the moves that maybe you've seen on America's Got Talent or something like that aren't the kind that we want to imitate. Uh, and so we're walking that line here too. And, and I can give some sympathy to the idea that these are just girls having fun. But the huge problem here is even if there is some innocence to what they're doing and imitating in this film, we have adults who are marketing it to other adults. And we have a lot of images of young girls who are moving in very sexualized ways. And so I think that even though Netflix wants to back down and say, uh, no, no, it's not really what we initially described it as, uh, I think it still is. And I think this is a movie that still has huge problems and is yet another example of how our culture has obliterated boundaries when it comes to sexualizing children. So I will pause and take a breath and let you respond. <laughs> well, I just my response will be um, I think you're you're absolutely right on and accurate. And the conversation that we as Christians need to be having in our own homes and with one another um, is we do not see our kids the same way when they're doing something, when they're moving their bodies, when they're doing something that's, you know, it's cute and it's expressive. There right. are sick people out there who do not see those things in the no. same way. So let me just no, say that on right. my on my Twitter feed the other day, you know, there's a there's a, a pastor who's a grandpa and he posted because he thought it was cute, a TikTok of two of his grandkids. And I thought mm -hmm. to myself, that eight, nine, ten, eleven year old little girl on that sixty seconds. Let me tell you, there are pedophiles out there seeing your granddaughter on your Twitter feed in ways that are completely different than you think yeah. are just so cute with, you know, oh, look at her, you know, dancing in this video. And yeah. and so I think that's what we have to be mindful of, that we, first of all, we have a responsibility to our kids. We have a responsibility yeah. to one another and we have a responsibility to the world. Um, and maybe, you know, I should have led that off with, we have a responsibility to the Lord. So I yeah. do think that there's a conversation to be had here. I'm not sure that Netflix is the culprit in all of this, um, so much as, uh, they are evidence of where the culture has moved on this topic. Um, Absolutely. it's not just, it's not just what we see, it's how others see what we see. 
And um, yeah, that's absolutely and, right. Yeah. So I think that's helpful. Hey, one more thing before uh, we run out of time today. Uh, Disney now has a bisexual character in Owl House. I don't even know what yes. Owl House is. Well, Owl House is one of Disney's many, many animated programs, uh, and it has sort of a fantasy feel to it. And they now have a 14-year-old character named Luz Nosita, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, who is the first bi, uh, bisexual character on a Disney TV series. And what's apparent is that Disney for a long time has been relatively more conservative than some of its animated uh, peers in terms of what they're depicting. Uh, and really, even up until fairly recently, basically just said, nah, we're not going there. But recently, they seem to have succumbed to the cultural pressure that we're seeing all over the place. And they flipped on this issue. And now they're talking about how, you know, we're really excited to be able to uh, to support this bisexual character. Uh, and one of the articles that I read on AP says, Luz, a Dominican-American girl, aspires to be a witch despite a lack of magical abilities. Uh, and so in some ways, you know, we talk about intersectionality, which is just all of these different minority um, overlap things. We sort of, that, that wasn't very clear, but, but we get a whole bunch of that here. This is an intersectionality dream in terms of what Disney's doing. And we're just going to see more of it, I think. Yeah, and uh, no, this shouldn't surprise anybody. The um, no. uh, the person who created Disney Channel's Owl House uh, came out just a few weeks ago. Um, the, she is the executive producer. Her name is Dana, and um, she is bisexual and has announced yep. herself as such. This has been apparently her plan all along. All, along. all right, um, Adam, that's what we got. You and I don't have time for anything else today, but thank you so much. As always, check out what uh, Adam and his colleagues are doing at PluggedIn.com. It's a ministry of focus on the family. Great place to uh, help you curate what you're watching and what you're not going to watch. Adam, thanks so much. Thanks, Carmen. We got to take a break for Breakpoint. All righty. Have you ever uh, had one of those moments where you're like, you know, who am I really? And why does that matter? And, and how do I get to the place where I can actually believe and live authentically into who God says I am? Well, that's Chip Ingram's new book. You know him from Living on the Edge. He's up next with Discover Your True Self. And yes, I have copies of the book to give away. Text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter a win a copy of Chip Ingram's new book, Discover Your True Self. This is Max Lakato. As a parent, when our children stumble, we don't disown them. We may punish or reprimand, but cast them out of the family? We cannot. They are biologically connected to us. Those born with our DNA will die with it. God our Father engenders the same relationship with us. Upon salvation, we become, as John 1.12 says, children of God. He alters our lineage, redefines our spiritual parenthood, and in doing so, secures our salvation. Paul says, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, and a soul sealed by God is safe. God paid too high a price to leave us unguarded. Again, a reminder from Paul in Ephesians 4.30. He has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. What a difference this assurance makes. This is Max Lucado.
Welcome back. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Chip Ingram. He really needs no introduction for most of you. You listen here on the Faith Radio Network on a regular basis to Living on the Edge. For those of you uh, to whom Chip is new, you will absolutely thoroughly enjoy his biblical teaching and insights, and you can find him at livingontheedge.com. Chip, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. It is great to be with you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. It's wonderful to have you. We're going to talk today specifically about your brand new book, uh, Discover Your True Self, How to Silence the Lies of the Past and Actually Experience Who God Says You Are. I love that this is an extended exposition and exploration of the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians. So let's just start there. Is this like it is for me? Is this just one of your favorite go-to portions of Scripture? It is, and it's one I, I would say to people that it was took me a very long time to figure out how to teach it. You can go through seminary or Bible school, and you can say, oh, yes, we have these spiritual blessings, and then it's filled with this theology, chosen, adopted, predestined, inheritance, sealed with the Spirit. And I think sometimes it just gets to be, well, I'm glad all those things are true, but it was for years and years and years I prayed, Lord, how do we flip those around? What needs, what are the deepest needs of the human heart that those are the answers to? I don't think you wrote those things so that we could know this is the definition of redemption. (laughs) And it came through some really challenging experiences. My wife and I both come from parents that really loved us, but came from a different era. And our both, our fathers um, became alcoholics and our family of origins were pretty warped. And so she felt like she never measured up and was really damaged in some ways. And I got it a little bit different way as my my dad, especially, it was like, no matter what you did, the bar then changed. Well, you know, that's good that you went two for four at baseball, but, you know, the reason you messed up or you got four A's and a B, let's talk about that B. So mm-hmm. I grew up in a world where you never measured up. And so you just worked and worked and worked and worked. And she grew up in a world where she withdrew and looked in the mirror and felt like she was an ugly, unworthy, unlovable person. Mm-hmm. And the book of Ephesians, when we begin to grasp, this is who God says you are, you know, that very famous song, You Say, mm-hmm. by Lauren Daigle. Well, long before that was written or sung, we went on this 25-year journey of beginning to let it soak from my head to my heart and together, this is what God says. So this book's been about 30 years in the making um, because it's really been worked out in our life. And it has really been the most transformative thing that uh, I've ever had the privilege of going into training and learning and getting it from my head to my heart. Well, and the deeper starts with something that may seem kind of surfacey, and that's a conversation about mirrors and the power of mirrors. But these kinds of mirrors, they penetrate pretty deep if we really look. We all have uh, mirrors, and I I love uh, one psychologist made this interesting point. He said, we are not who we think we are. We are not who other people think we are. He said, we are what we think other people think we are. And, you know, it's a fallen world, so all of our mirrors are cracked. Sin has entered the world, but no one grew up with Jesus being their father, right? Or Mary being their mother. Now, Mary wasn't perfect. But my point is, everyone's family of origin, we had imperfect parents, and no matter how hard they tried, we all grew up with mirrors, 
and in all the research of, you know, whether you're firstborn or secondborn or thirdborn, or um, there's just all kind of things that we have absorbed that have told us you're only acceptable if, or you're acceptable if you're because, or you're loved when you do these things and you're not loved if you don't, or if you are taller or shorter. And then you multiply that mirror with the mirror of, of media and culture. I mean, we're bombarded. The whole point of advertisement is that you are not okay until you have wider tooth by this brand. You don't measure up if you wear a kind of watch that people don't know or a handbag where they know the label. Or are you wearing Walmart jeans instead of diesels? What's wrong with you? <laughs> In other words, we're, the car you drive tells everyone who you are. So did your kids get into this school or that school? I mean, we are bombarded every moment of every day with mirrors. And it's like going into one of those fun houses. And so you get a snapshot of this mirror and it says you're too fat. This one says you're too short. This says you're too skinny. And what we need is God's mirror. We need to see ourselves through God's eyes that is so radically different that says, we are loved and valued and important uh, just for who we are. We're made in his image, that we're the right height, that how we process information, our personalities are sovereignly made by the eternal king of the world because he has a purpose for us that only we can fulfill. And so it really gets down, uh, Carmen, to loving ourselves, not in unhealthy, narcissistic ways, but loving ourselves in a appropriate ways. You know, like that great second command, love your neighbor as yourself. I think a lot of people really don't love themselves very much. I love that, Chip. I remember um, when I was a kid, one of the things that my mom encouraged us to literally do, particularly when we were having one of those, you know, those boys down the street aren't saying the nicest things or I haven't <laughs> been included with that group of girls or whatever. And my mom would take us into the bathroom and she would say, now just stand there and talk to yourself. Uh, for 67s, affirm what you know God says about you. And you had to come up with a full minute's worth of this. So um, there are positive things we can learn to say about ourselves. You know, and you stand there in tears at some point because you would recognize that you'd forgotten that you're a child of God. You'd forgotten that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. You'd forgotten that before the foundations of the earth, God saw you, knit you together in your mother's womb, on purpose and for a purpose, made in his very image, redeemed, I mean, on and on and on. Like, right, you can come up now as an adult with 60 seconds worth of things to say. But as a kid, it's hard, particularly when, you know, you're feeling that reflection of the world upon you that says, you know, you weren't worth inviting whatever to the kickball game in the cul-de-sac. Okay, hey, we have to take a very brief break. When we come back, I'm going to continue my conversation with Chip Ingram. We are talking about his brand new book, Discover Your True Self, how to silence the lies of the past and actually experience who God says you are. We'll be right back. You say when I can't feel a thing. You say Continuing my conversation now with Chip Ingram. You know him from Living on the Edge. We're talking today about Chip's new book, Discover Your True Self, how to silence the lies of the past and actually experience who God says you are. Chip, let's um, let's deal with, um, you know, some of the lies and then the answers of who we really are. So we might be tempted to believe the lie of rejection, but in reality, we are wanted. Can you walk us through some of the lies that are then answered by the truth of who we are as you explore Ephesians 1 through 3? 
for those who love to study the Bible, you know, I studied the entire book and then I break it all down and chapter by chapter, or then paragraph by paragraph. And then as you go through chapter one, the thesis is that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. And then it begins to outline these. And each one of them, when you flip it over, when you see this is who you are, there is a corresponding lie of the world. So for example, we, we learned that all of us struggle with rejection. And so I do a little chapter to help people understand how that works. But God says, I want you. I mean, everyone's been on a sandlot or in a music group or something where they say, we want you on our team. And God says, I want you. You're wanted. So the lie of rejection is other people may reject us. But when you understand that God has it, and it's not if or because, uh, that makes a huge difference. And he not just chose us, but he chose us to be adopted. And so you have all the privileges of a family. Everything that in the family of God, just I tell the story of a friend actually who was sort of one of those last kids adopted out of an orphanage. And he kind of learned to look after himself most of the time. And he, he would hoard food in his room and he was adopted by this great Christian family. And just how deep the lies of rejection, he didn't measure up. People kept coming and all the cute kids and all the babies. And pretty soon, you know, he's eight or nine years old and nobody wants him. And when he got into that Christian family, he had a nice room and they showed him the refrigerator. And for days and weeks, they would come in and he'd be sleeping on the floor instead of his bed. And they would go through the closet and he would have stuff that he'd taken out of the refrigerator that he was hiding. And as they began to help him, he didn't feel worthy to sleep on a bed. And he couldn't believe that someone would provide food in a refrigerator you could have any time. And I think it's a parallel, uh, Carmen, of a lot of people who these things are true of us. We're chosen, we're adopted, but we can live like an orphan, even though we're sons and daughters of the King of Kings. For example, too, he goes on and talks about we're redeemed. That's the lie of, of insignificance. You don't matter. You're nothing. And everything is valued by how much it costs. And redemption is we were purchased for God by the blood of Christ. So basically, we go through and talk about being wanted, valuable, secure, overcoming the lie of fear. You're competent. That's one of those deep chapters we talk about overcoming the lie of shame which is paramount in our culture. So that's kind of the flow of the book. Each one we take what I would say some of the most devastating issues we all face, shame, guilt, fear, rejection. And then what we do is we unpack a doctrine that's clear in a way that you get it in sort of everyday language. This is how God sees you. You are wanted, valuable, secure, competent, beautiful, uh, and you have an amazing purpose. So when we come to the end of a chapter, you offer these excellent questions for reflection and discussion. And in that chapter on the conversation about, about shame, there's this really poignant question. And I think that it is, it's piercing when I think about it. If the gospel is God's antidote to shame and has the power to radically change lives, why are so many Christians still living in shame? We could ask that question about almost any one of these lies that we continue to believe and continue to live in instead of living in in the fullness of who God has called us to be and says we are. But if the gospel is God's antidote, antidote to any of these uh, things on the list, then why, as Christians, are we still living in the lie? 
That is a super perceptive question. And uh, what I've been doing for over 30 years is being a pastor. And so I, I pastor people in small rural communities and in really big cities and in churches that are tiny and churches that have thousands of people. And afterwards, uh, rather than going to the back, I've always stayed up front and just people come up and share and pray with them. And, and there's a correlation that I think I'll get to answering your questions is I'm going through divorce. I have an eating disorder. Um, I'm hooked on pornography, the shame. This is what happened. Uh, I was um, involved in a relationship and I'm so all those kind of things. The next thing I ask people with my arm around and praying with them and very tenderly, especially when they're stuck, I'll ask them, would you help me? Tell me a little bit about your relationship with God's word and tell me a little bit about your relationship with God's people. And inevitably there's this super high correlation. Well, I don't really read the Bible and, um, you know, I come to church now and then and as a man or a woman thinks in your heart, so you become, uh, you know, at the end of each of these chapters, there's these cards I give people where we write out the lie that they believe with a stop sign at the bottom. My wife and I did these for two years and then you flip over the card and you read the truth and then there's a core passage. And what I would say, Carmen, is we know that Bible engagement is down. Christians aren't reading the scriptures and if you fill your mind with the mirrors of the world, and whether that's binging on Netflix or, you know, watching horrific things on the news all the time, and, and please don't hear, hide your head in the sand. But what I'm saying is we are the product of our thought life. Mm -hmm. uh, all the scripture talks about, don't be conformed to this world. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And I think we are Christians who have a treasure of all that God has prepared for us we already possess it, but I think there will be millions of Christians that go to heaven and will realize these storehouses that were completely untapped. And we lived lives of guilt and shame and fear. And God says, you know, I had all the answers to those, but you didn't even know that you possessed them and you never learned how to appropriate them. You know, mm -hmm. you can have a vial that would cure a disease, but if you don't, swallow it. It doesn't do you any good. And that was my dream in writing this book, honestly, was uh, my, my wife and I love God, but it was until we began to renew our minds. We, we sat on the couch of our living room shortly after we were married, after we went to counseling, because our marriage wasn't working and our life wasn't working and we love God and we were in the Bible. And I went to a great Christian counselor who helped us see, you need to identify the lies you need to know the truth and you need to renew your mind. And we would read these cards over the truth of this book for two years every morning. And then on our bedstand, we would have these cards. And little by little by little, I, I watched my wife go from this person who didn't even like herself to like this flower unfolding. And then she began to do that with my daughter. And then we began to teach these things for years. And we watched people stuck in pornography who tried everything and people that had sexual addictions. And, and there's no quick fix. There's no magic pills. But as they renewed their mind and realized God doesn't see you as shameful. We were in seminary and my wife shared a, a little bit of her background and it's too long to go into now, but it, it was very, very painful. You know, she had a fellow seminary student turn to her and say, oh, I didn't realize they let people like you in seminary. Mm. And so she kind of hid 
the fact that she had been a, a she married early to get out of a very bad home when she was pregnant with twins her husband unknown to her had a, been having an affair for over a year was selling drugs and he left and so she gave birth to two kids no money no support and a boss shared Christ with her i met her two and a half years later as she had grown in Christ but she hid that we, we were in churches. She didn't want to tell anybody she'd been through a divorce, even though it was a biblical divorce. And I'll never forget meeting with a, a wise mentor who walked us through a process who said, Teresa, you have no idea. Don't you understand that God has a mantle and you're a trophy of his grace? Hmm. He's redeemed you. You have to tell your story. And we ended up going from a part of the Bible Belt to a place called Santa Cruz, which is one of the weirdest, most progressive, <laughs> wildest places on earth. They think San Francisco is too liberal. And um, satanic bookstores, a bizarre place, but we fit because they were kind of weird, needy people. And I'll never forget, she, she decided the first thing we would do the first week at the church is that night she shared her testimony. I mean, mm-hmm. the whole... This is where I've been. This is what God did. This is my past. And I was the new pastor, which was interesting. So people wanted to get to know me. And that night, and this is not an exaggeration, 50 women lined up to talk with her personally. Amen. Of course they did. um, So people don't have to live that way, Carmen, but so many of them do. And part of it is embarrassment. And Mm -hmm. part of our journey in this book is to help people understand that doesn't have to be that way. Friends, if you've been hearing this and you're saying to yourself, I need that. I I want to live uh, free of the lies I have been believing. And I want to really experience who God says I am. Uh, let me just commend to you Chip Ingram's new book, Discover Your True Self. And check out what he's doing at livingontheedge.com. We'll be right back. All right, let me just uh, invite you today to be praying for other listeners, praying for those who are uh, struggling with things that um, you may not be able to imagine or questions that um, you'd be really too afraid even to ask today. Uh, So let's be praying for one another. Also, if you'd like to enter the drawing for one of the copies of Chip Ingram's book that we have to give away here in studio, just text the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, if you uh, would like a, a copy of Discover Your True Self by Chip Ingram, text the word book, nothing else, just the word book, to uh, 877-933-2484. All right, we have a weekend ahead of us. Uh, let me remind you, as you go out the door into the world, you may be the only Bible someone else reads today. Like, you might be it. So in a game of tag, you're it. Um, You're it as you go out there into the world today. Be uh, a reliable ambassador of the king and the kingdom. Be an agent of grace. Be a minister of reconciliation. Be a person who is so filled with the Holy Spirit that when life squeezes you, what comes out is the very word of God. Uh, That's one of my mom's uh, things. You may be the only Bible someone else reads today. So, you know, be sure they get get it accurately. All right. Have a great weekend. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.